Welcome to our YouTube channel. As you take time to listen to God's word today, we believe that this sermon will be a blessing to you as well as your family. So you ready for today? Yeah? So my sermon is called Scandalous Grace. Scandalous Grace. So here's the thing about a scandal. In Germany, and you guys here, or wherever you're from, in your community, in your society, in your culture, there are certain things that you are allowed to do or you shouldn't be doing. Um, for example, you treat your family in a certain way. This is the way you um, have relationships and um, the way you talk to each other, all of that. And if you don't behave accordingly to the culture, that this, it can be a scandal, okay? So, for example, if, if you leave your family behind, but you shouldn't be taking of her, the society will look at you and be like, okay, that's a scandal. He shouldn't be doing like that. He should be investing in his family and all of that. So there's actually nothing good that can come out of a scandal, right? You agree on that? But the story we're going to look at today is also a scandal, but the scandal becomes a blessing to us. It's a gift that Jesus is offering us. So I'll be looking with you today into the culture of the time of Jesus because we need to understand in the time that he lived in and why it was a scandal the way he acted in the story. So you ready to learn? Come on. Okay. How can a scandal become a gift to us? First of all, there's a scandalous place. We will look at the at the story from um, the Gospel of John, chapter 4, and it starts with verse 3. And um, this is the story where Jesus is traveling with his friends from Judea to Galilee. And then in verse 4, there's a short sentence. It's very brief. And it says, And he had to pass through Samaria. Now, here's the thing. Nowadays, we read it, and we are like, Okay. He went through Samaria. So what's the big deal about it? There's no big deal because if you look at the map, he walked from one town to another and Samaria, Samaria was in the middle, so he just had to pass through. Yesterday I came from Chennai to Trichy with a train. We stopped all the way because there were some towns on the way to Trichy. I mean, it's logical, right? So, but back then, people, when they would read it in the first century, that Jesus stopped at Samaria, they would be like, okay, let's give us a minute, because this is crazy. He shouldn't be stopping there, and we un need to understand why. He, he, was, he was not accidentally, but on purpose, going into a scandal, walking the ground of the Samaritans. Now see, the Jews and the Samaritans, they had a common history. They were actually, back in the days, one community, but uh, due to wars, they had to resettle in different areas and the Samaritans went out and settled in a different area and this is what happened. The Jews said, you only marry someone who's a Jew. You, you do not intermarriage with someone else. But the Samaritans did it. They married people from other tribes and um, Johnny, isn't it good that we can marry people from different countries today? Anyway, but just saying, just saying. So, but back in the days, it was not allowed. It was not allowed. So the Jews looked at the Samaritans because they married other people and they were like, okay, 
they're down there. They're not our people anymore. They despise them. We don't want any community with them. And there was another thing. The place of worship was so central to, to, to them because the Jews said, we have our temple in Jerusalem. And um, we, we claim this to be the, the place that God wants us to worship. The people from Samaria said, we have our mountain. We go to the mountain and this is our place to worship. And both of them claim this is the right one. So they were arguing all the time. They didn't only not like each other, they hated each other. They couldn't stand each other. So there was like, like if, if you would find terms for that, it's like a neighborhood war, you know, but, but a big one. Like you wouldn't step on their ground. So now with that in mind, let's read this again. He walked through Samaria, meaning Jesus walked on the scandal on purpose look if, if you were a jew and you would be like okay I, I consider myself to be a good jew you would take a detour that would take you probably more than a day to walk around samaria to get to your destination and look if you're willing to take an extra day on your journey to reach your destination just in order not to walk on their ground that speaks a lot about the relationship so, but Jesus, he went there and he was like, guys, we're just going there. And I tried to imagine, look, he and his friends, all Jews. And Jesus like, we're going to Samaria. And they were like, no, we can't. Let's take an extra day and walk around it. Do you know we do it? And it's like all the tension going on in the group. What is Jesus doing? It's a conflict. It's uncomfortable, but he does it. On purpose. And then in verse 6, we continue to read because this story gets very interesting. We read the following Jacob's well was there, so Jesus, wearied as he was from the journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. The sixth hour is in the middle of the day. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. Anybody ready for a drink? You have a nice coffee here, I heard. I'm ready, to, I'm ready to enjoy it. So Jesus is talking to this woman. I mean, what must she, like, I, I try to imagine. Jesus is in the wrong place, talking to someone he shouldn't be talking to. Like, she must have thought either two options. He is dying of thirst, number one, and number two, he's joking. Two options. He's dying of thirst or he is joking. Like he's in a place he was not supposed to be. And then he's talking to a woman from whom everybody knows if she is voluntarily going in the middle of the day to get water instead of in the early morning with the other ladies. This woman, she was, let me say it this way, she was dirty. She was not accepted by society. For, uh, for her community. She, she was despised by everybody. And she would rather go in the hot sun instead of early in the morning with the other ladies. So if, if you need to know that. If Jesus is, talk, like Jesus is talking to her and he's, he's risking to lose everything, losing his face, being number one conversation in town, Jesus is ready to do all of that just to talk to her. 
It's a scandal. Because a Jew would rather pack his stuff and run away than being seen with a lady like this. But Jesus keeps standing there. He just stays there in this place and talks to this woman. It's not an accident. It's not an accident. I rather believe it's in a divine appointment. It's a divine appointment. Jesus went there on purpose because he knew, I have an appointment on the Jacob's well with this lady, and I need to meet her. I need to make her an offer. And this, this is what, what scandalous grace means. No matter what the places you're in right now, it's no, no matter what the status of society is for you, no matter what your story is, grace sets out to meet us. Grace is taking us away, takes all the burden just to meet us. No place too far, no environment too uncomfortable, no life situation too weird or too messed up. There's nothing too hopeless that grace wouldn't take this journey to meet us right where we are. Jesus picks us up right where we are, with your story, with my story, with everything that we experience. And it's a scandal that the perfect God would be willing to leave everything behind, to walk on this earth and make a way so we can know the Father. That's a scandal. How dare a perfect God be willing to have a conversation with me or with you? It's a scandal. But he's willing because he's got a big heart to meet us and to, to give us something that's greater than we have experienced before. And what a gift, right, that Jesus deals with us differently than we do with each other, right? Like we see someone, we see someone, we see their story, and we have all the thoughts in our mind. We rather keep away, but, but Jesus is different. He walks right into the story. He just walks right into it, interested to find out what is, what is she feeling like? How is she, how is she doing? And we find out that her life is off track. We'll find out that her li life is messed up. But this is so nice. Jesus takes a different approach. Even though he knew what her life looked like, the first thing he does, he, he, he just approaches her and shows her, I see you. I recognize you. Even though the other ladies in town, they don't see you. They have their thoughts about you. I have higher thoughts about you than you, ha than you have about yourself. I think bigger of yourself than you are. I see you. I'm for you. And the beautiful picture of grace is, is exactly that. Grace meets us where we are. Grace surprises us in the middle of our story. Grace turns towards us even though we are not expecting it and even less deserve it. That's what grace does. Comes to us. Risks everything to conquer our hearts. This is what Jesus is doing for, for you and for me. And friends, look, I'm family, so I can talk to you like this. Wouldn't it be nice if we as a church would become more and more like the place where, where, where there's a well of Jacob? To, de to develop a place where you can invite your friends 
invite your coworkers, invite your family, invite them here. And the, the moment they walk into the door, they feel seen, they feel accepted, they feel recognized, they see that there is something different in this place because they have an appointment with their creator. Wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't that be nice? It would, like for me, thinking about it, I can't imagine doing something else with my life than creating those places, giving everything that I have, serving no matter what it is, to create a place where we invite our friends, knowing our Father in Heaven is willing to meet them right where they are, right where they are. Look, the scandal doesn't end here. That's only the first part of it. It's a scandalous place, but then Jesus continues, and they have a dialogue. And this dialogue is, well, we read it, and then we'll try to find out what it is, okay? Because it's, conf it's confusing. It's confusing. Jesus wants water, and this is what happens. She says, how is it that you, as a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw water with. So she's not getting what he is saying. You have nothing to draw water with and the well is deep. In other words, are you trying to climb down there? How are you going to come up there? So how are you going to do it? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well. He drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. So that was actually a conversation about, I'm thirsty, I need a drink. And Jesus is talking in riddles here. He's talking in, in, in an illustration that he uses water to to show the lady something. He's using water as an illustration to make her an offer that is so much greater than the thirst that she had before coming to the well. And Jesus did it on purpose. And that's what I like about Jesus. Everything he does is on purpose. He thought it through and he, 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 he thought about the lady. He knew what, what she needed. So he uses that picture and he says, look, every day you come here, every day, you're thirsty, and you drink, and you go home, and you become thirsty again. And then he makes a switch. Now you, you got to understand that he's, he's saying, you have a thirst inside of you. You are thirsty inside. And you drink, and you go, and you feel empty still. Still empty. And you come back next day, get in some more water, and you go back thirsty again. So... What is Jesus saying here? He claims of himself that he's able to satisfy the 
deep thirst that you and I, we have in our hearts. That's what he claims for himself. I am able to satisf satisfy your desires in your heart. Your desire for the, for the lady was maybe the desire for acceptance, real friendship, unconditional love. So how dare Jesus make an offer like this? Like, what must he have thought about himself making an offer like this? We will see it when we continue reading the Gospel of John in chapter 17, um, verse 3. It says, this is what eternal life consists of, knowing you, the one true God, and Jesus Christ, whom I have sent. So what is Jesus saying here? Eternal life begins now by having a friendship with Jesus and ends in eternity. It starts now with a friendship with Jesus. This is eternal life. Eternal life is not something that we strive for in the future. Eternal life begins now, has an effect on our life now. It changes everything now. And this is how you, how you can connect to it when you start a friendship and a deep relationship with Jesus. It, a relationship that says, I trust you. I follow you. I believe in you. I'm ready to give up everything for you. I'm willing to, to let you fulfill my desires with everything that I have. And all of us, we have unfulfilled longings in our hearts, right? Longing for more. A longing for, there's got to be more to this life than, than everyday life. We want to do something that is meaningful. Longing for recognition, right? We strive for that. And then we're... we're We're willing to do crazy things about it, right? Only to get those things. My, I mean, the Bible, the Bible describes this longing deep inside our hearts as a cry out to God that we need Him because He's the only one who can satisfy our inner thirst. He's the only one who sees the hole that we have inside. And someone says this hole is just perfectly big that only God can fit in there. So we all have this longing in our hearts and only God can fill it. And if we don't allow him to do it, we look for different places. We look in relationships. We look, in, uh, we, we look for it in money, in, 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 in making a business. And we try to take from it to fulfill ourselves. And it's like, like with the lady, it's going to leave us empty anyway. If you try to fulfill your heart with relationships, But whatever it is that you're trying to do it, it's going to leave you empty. Maybe it gives you for a moment, but it's going to leave you empty for the long run. So try to answer those questions. How many things does a person need to buy to satisfy their longing for recognition? How much do you need to buy? It's never going to be enough. Like how many relationships does a person need to have to satisfy their longing for a true relationship that God wants to give us? You can try as much as you want. But if Jesus is not your foundation, those relationships are going to leave you empty. Completely. It's very hot in here, like in, in Trichy. For us it's, as Germans, it's very hot. And we went to the beach in Chennai the other day. It's... Did you know, do you know when we went to the beach? The middle of the day. 
I know better now. It's not going to happen again. I have never experienced a sun like this. So I was just like standing there and I was drenched, okay? I was completely so. But try to answer this question. That's, that's how we say it in, in, in German. How, like on a hot day, if you're thirsty, how much sand do you need to eat in order to satisfy your thirst? Try one handful. It's not going to work. You know what we're trying to say with that? You use the wrong thing to satisfy what's inside of you. You're using sand to satisfy your longing for water. And this is what we all are trying to do, right? We use different stuff to satisfy the longing in our hearts. But Jesus is like, look, here's scandalous grace. No matter what you've tried to, to satisfy your thirst with up to now, I will make you an offer. I will give you a friendship. And this friendship will satisfy you and it will carry you and will give you all that your heart desires. This is what grace looks like. It sees what, in, what, it, what it is that it's, it is inside of your heart. So grace is willing to meet us in places where it's not supposed to be. Because we are always not in the place where we're not supposed to be without Jesus. But he's ready to meet us. And grace knows what it, what it is that we are longing for. So it's ready to offer new life to us. But the scandal doesn't end here. Jesus has got one more. You ready for one more? Okay, then we'll continue. So the lady trusts Jesus. And he, she's willing to... To, to go further in the conversation. This is what happens. She says, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come here. Wait a minute. That wasn't the question. But he continues. The woman answered, or she continues. She answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you are right in saying I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you, you, um, the one you now have is not your husband. So what you said is true. I thought we'd be talking about water here. Like, for me, reading this, it's a slap in the face. It's so uncomfortable. It's a scandal. You wouldn't be thinking Jesus acting like this. Like, you look at Jesus, he's full of compassion. He's full of love. He's, uh, he's moving towards people. And this? He's like, I'm going to give it all to you. <laughs> now you know. And I'm like, okay, what is Jesus doing here? What is, what is happening? So she accepts the offer. She accepts the offer, and suddenly Jesus changes the subject here. All of a sudden, out of the blue. Much worse, he not he's not only changing the subject, he is putting his finger into an open wound. Something that she was struggling with. Something that she deliberately put behind her mask, trying to hide her past. And isn't that so often with us? That we try to hide things from our past, what we've done, 
what we are not proud of. Even with our closest friends, there are parts that we are like, ah, they better don't know it. They better don't know it. Because if I tell them, I'm going to lose my face. If I tell them, they might not be my friends anymore. So we are all trying to hide stuff behind our mask and not trying to openly say what, we, what we've done. So this is what she did. The woman didn't come to Jesus and say, look, Jesus, this is my story. Five marriages didn't work out. No, no, no. Jesus had to, you know, look behind, behind it and to pull it out. So in Germany, we have a high rate of people getting divorced. But five marriages is even a lot for us. <laughs> I'm planning to be faithful to my wife until the end, okay? Just so you know. But in Germany, like, if you don't feel like it, you get divorced. So easy to get divorced. But five marriages that didn't work out, that's a lot. But we don't know why the five marriages failed. We don't know. The text doesn't tell us. But I like to try to imagine what happened. <laughs> you know, I try to imagine. You want to try with me? Yeah. Okay. Maybe five of them died. I mean, being a widow is, is not bad. It's not a pity. But back in the days when you were widowed five times, you were considered cursed. So that doesn't leave her with good options there. Other possibility? Five of them went to be with someone else. That must be very painful, being left so often. The other option? She maybe, I don't know. She might have been a very demanding person. So the guys were like, I can handle that. Johnny, you better look out for a good... Oh, no, I'm just kidding. So she was... Like, she, she, had, she had this story, and we don't know what exactly happened. All we know, all we know, this must have been a very painful experience. Very painful even, even more, she would be standing there looking into Jesus' eyes full of embarrassment, full of humiliation, full of regret, standing there full of pain, and suddenly memories that she's been already buried in the past come up again. She sees pictures inside her head, looks back full of pain. And yet, and I find this so interesting, and yet she keeps standing there. I try to put myself in the story. This would be the moment I'll be like, here's your drink. Here's my way. I'll be going now. Jesus, this is a step too far. But she keeps standing there, listening to Jesus, being in his presence. So what is happening here? Jesus is making her an offer for new life. But he understood something. In order to receive new life, you got to be willing to let the old life go. You got to be willing to go through the pain of the past. You got to be willing to, to tackle the issues at the roots. You got to be willing to take it 
and give it to Jesus. And this lady, she was standing there and she knew this is painful. This is not nice, but the offer that he's giving me is better than the pain that I have now. So she's holding up to the pain because she knows when I, once I give this pain to him, I receive something that is much greater than I have now. So if you, if, you, if you want to receive new life, you're willing to tackle the past and let Jesus work through the past to receive new life. And I feel like those are the moments that I would love to have a second chance in life. You know, we, we all have made decisions that we're not proud of. We've all made, um, you know, we all turned places or turned up in places we shouldn't be. But, like, for me, I, I wish I could go back in time and erase that. But, look, this is what, what grace does. It's, it's, it's giving us a new life, not a second chance. It's giving us a new life. It's not that grace erases our past or justifies our old life, we, we've, we're given a grace that allows us to face our past without being imprisoned by it. Grace that makes us strong to look back and say, okay, I've messed up, but now I have new life. I'm not being held back by the past because I have a future in front of me. This is what's, what, what grace tells us, because grace will carry us through lifetime, despite all that we have experienced, despite all the wrong decisions, despite all that went wrong, because grace does not change the situation. Grace changes us. Okay? Grace will always change us. So grace does not erase the reality in which we live. Much more, it speaks to us into reality and walks us through and, and goes with us to the story. And even if you're not proud of it, and even if you feel like you could have done it better, grace gives your past a purpose, always. Your story, if you think it's bad, give it to Jesus. He can give you a purpose with your past. He can use your story for greater good. Because he's the only one this is what I love about Jesus. He's the only one that he can take bad things and turn it to good. He's the only one, guys. He's the only one that can take your bad decisions, your bad life directions from the past, and turn it to something good. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? And this is what grace offers us and promises us. There's a better future in front of us. So this is what scandalous grace means. Although we wish we could have done better in the past, grace carries us through and gives us a purpose, gives us a perspective and writes a story with our lives. And then at the end, the story takes a very surprising turn. And this is the highlight of the story. I feel like now we're talking, guys. Now we're talking because this is so good. This woman came to the well as a despised woman, not accepted by society, not well seen by anyone. But after she had this scandalous encounter with Jesus, accepting new life, leaving the old life behind, she is going back into the city with a message. She is going back 
to the city and telling everybody what she just experienced. Guys, look, this is my life. And everybody was like, we know. We know who you are. We know your story. But then I met Jesus and he gave me new life. You know, the Bible tells us that she went into the city and told everybody, this man knows what I've done in the past. And everybody likes, okay, if he knew and still talked to you and still offered you that, that must be special. Because everybody knew who she was. Everybody knew her story. So when I look at this, I'll be like, The grace that we are blessed with is never for us alone. It's never supposed to stay in our hearts. It's like the spring that flows from us. So all of you, if you have accepted Jesus in your life, if, you, if you've accepted the new life that he's offering, then you have a story that needs to be told. In your neighborhood, at work, with your friends, in college. It's never supposed to stay with you. You've got a message. When Jesus does something in your life, he sends you out to be a blessing. Always. It's like a spring that needs to get out. You know, water that's not flowing is going to stink. It's got to flow, guys. It's got to flow. Jesus did not only come for you. He, ca he came for your friends. He came for a family everyone around you. And this is what the story is telling us. When grace encounters us, it moves us. It moves us to make a difference, to go into town, to create places like the well of Jacob. So my, my, my question to you today is the following, and I'll be ending my sermon here. And... Um, If you, if you have accepted Jesus in your life, what's your story? What's your story? Are you ready to let it flow? Are you ready to let God use your story? You know, the important thing is that, that you would come to a place where you'd be willing to open up your hands. If, if, if you're not willing to open up your hands and let Jesus place what he has for you inside of your hands, you'll walk around empty-handed. But if you open up your hands, then he can take out what doesn't belong in there and place what belongs in there. And he will empower you. You will not walk around with a message by your own strength. He said, I will give you power. I will give you what you need to deliver the message. Always. You're never alone. You're never alone. You're never alone. So, before I end and pray with you guys, I want to make you an offer. The same offer that Jesus did to the lady. I'm not the one giving new life, but we are supposed to carry new life wherever we go. So if you're here today and you have never experienced what it means to be encountered by grace, to be encountered by Jesus, being gifted with new life, becoming purpose for, for your life, that this is your morning. Today's your divine appointment with Jesus. He's been looking for it. 
You're not here by accident. You're here on purpose. You're here on purpose. Jesus been looking forward to this day. I imagine Jesus like being so excited. It's Sunday again. It's Sunday again. I'm going to meet new people. I'm going to bless them with new life. So are you willing to stand up with me? And just as a sign of surrender, open up your hands. Open up your hands. And say, Jesus, I, I want to give everything from my past to you. Make it your prayer. I want to give it to you because I know you have better things for me in store. God, I was trying to fulfill my thirst, my inner thirst with so many different things, but I understand now that only you can fulfill my desire. You are all that I need. You're all that I want, Jesus. And God, I pray that you would forgive all my sins. God, when I look at the story, she was married five times and it didn't hold you back to forgive and to give new life. So there's nothing that you wouldn't forgive. You receive us with open hands. So God, I pray right now in this moment that whoever decides to, to give their life to you, that you will bless them with new life. Let them experience your grace. Fill, fill their hearts with your purpose and your freedom. And God, for all of us who, who are in a friendship with you, we pray for your strength to carry the message of Jesus. It is not supposed to stick only with us. It's supposed to be given. It's supposed to flow. Make us a messenger of you, God. We love you with all of our hearts. We're so grateful that you're willing to give up everything to encounter us with your grace. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to our sermon today. Hope it is a blessing for you. If you would like to support our ministry, you can do so by visiting kingcitychurch.org forward slash give. We will meet you next week with another inspiring sermon. God bless you.